Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. I could just like edit the entire thing and be like, hey, welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast. I'm Nathan. Yeah, let's do that. You want to just do that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. No, I don't give a shit. I I don't believe in self-censorship. However, if your mom doesn't know you're like... You know, doing it, yeah. By now, like, yeah, you're not in your 20s anymore. No, it's true, I'm definitely not. I look less and less like I'm in my 20s with each day. Also, like, let's be frank, we live together, like, yeah, you know, anyways, yeah, yeah graphically, we may have gone a little overboard, but yeah, I don't I think mean, we need to like explain. No, no. Like all of the deets, but no. But what we need to do is we need to explain what the what is the point of the podcast? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. We got off track. Yeah. Um, the point of the podcast is is that uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to um, share the things that we love with each other, but also maybe capture some of that, right? right? And share it with you know a broader audience of people because we uh, are romantically involved and we're really good friends. And we have a ton of fun together, but we're always like ex- discovering new things right. um, about each other every day. But also, to, like, just we have the opportunity to like learn about stuff that we don't know about. Right. And so we thought that would be a fun thing to do for a podcast. Because I think that we both have very specific things that we kind of like we really enjoy. Yeah. And I know for me, like when I found out that there were certain things that you didn't know about, I was like, what? Yeah. How was that? A and thing? I think it just happened on the couch. Well, it didn't no, That was just a reference. I didn't get. Never mind. Cause you were like, Oh no, no, no. It was the, the danger room reference. Uh-huh. Right. We were watching star Trek on the couch just now. Yeah. And Nathan was like, you know, I was surprised. I turned it on while I was cooking and then it carried over to like, while we were eating dinner. Right. And basically if you put something on and it's like interesting enough for like 15 minutes, like I have to consume all of it. I right. can't walk away. Yeah. No. So we finished the episode. And uh, I couldn't tell if you were like being facetious or not, but you were like, what's the holodeck? Is that like a hologram on a deck? And I was like, well, kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, is it like the danger room? And I'm like, what's the danger room? And then Nathan goes, you know, the danger room where Professor Xavier trains the (laughs) X-Men. Professor Xavier. And he points to the screen and then like a good solid second goes by and then like an explosion went off in my brain and I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Patrick Stewart, Jean-Luc Picard, Professor Xavier, all the connections. And Nate was just like, you're ridiculous. (laughs) You're so silly that you never made the connection. I didn't know it was called the danger room though. Oh yeah. I mean, it's... It was made in the 60s, you know, it's like, yeah, but you knew it was like, that's the point. That's the whole point. Right. right. So not only are we like learning about different elements of pop culture that we both like that we never had the either the inclination or the time to be exposed to. But this is also a way for us to kind of play hooky from that stack of dishes, from our work, from, you know, maybe uh, the other, you know, responsibilities, whether they're um, self-inflicted or the world is right. putting them on us. It's just a way for us to step back and have a little bit of fun right. um, and in more of like perhaps a more structured format than we would have done otherwise. But like mm-hmm. it really kind of holds us accountable to making sure that Nate sits down and watches a Disney movie and I sit down and watch some wrestling. Well, and, and I mean, I think that also... Uh, it gives us the opportunity to maybe look at things with our our mate, with our respective counterpart, and maybe give them an opportunity that we haven't given them in the past, right? Like I, you know, we, you just mentioned... Oh, the things, giving the right, things right, an opportunity. Yeah, the things. Yeah. And, and maybe like some people can take away to like, you know, 
Yeah, your significant other might like some weird stuff, some out there stuff. But like, I mean, it's all kind of just stuff. it's mm-hmm. right. It's just like pop culture. It's mm-hmm. just like all everything's a little nerdy, right? Yeah, and I feel like too, like especially. I feel like people go through phases like when they're really young, they're very protective of the stuff they love and everything else is garbage. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of go through a period in your 20s where you don't have like time to start consuming things that much. You know, you're you're in college or you're working for the first time and you're really busy. You kind of already have established your friend group and your hobbies. And so you're not taking in new culture and then when you get to your 30s you start getting like weirdly nostalgic for the stuff you were into as a kid and a teenager and you become really protective of that stuff you love again and you kind of it's like the worst star wars fans are the little kids and the dudes in their 30s and 40s that like star wars is like the only thing in the world to them and they hate everything else well and you know it's like you you hear those those arguments like well you know extended universe or like what you know whatever like i yeah but i i get it right? right i understand why they have them but I don't, I don't get Star Wars. Right. It's just not a thing that I find overly entertaining. I'm not bashing Star Wars. No, no, no. It's, you know, sci-fi. Right. But like... But if, if it was something I loved, right. you would be willing to give it a shot. Of course. Unfortunately, I can't share that with you because I too didn't... Star Wars didn't hit me at the right time in my no. life. Yeah, we we talked about. And this. you're kind of more at a better position to be a Star Wars fan because well, you're just a couple years older than so, me. So, so the thing about it is, Star Wars. Like when I was born, I was kind of born in between. Yeah. And unfortunately, like I guess for Star Wars, not really unfortunate for me, but like my my jam was GI Joe, mm-hmm. and GI Joe kind of like came out at a time that was in between Star Wars movies. Yeah, and they were kind of like. Thanks to the G.I. Joe documentary you had me watch, which was really cool. It seems like the G.I. Joe action figures were kind of in competition with the Star Wars. So it's like if you were being heavily marketed to and the G.I. Joe stuff was hitting you really hard, then probably it would have shut out a lot of the Star Wars stuff. Well, also, I think, too, like my parents were not like big Star Wars fans. Like my parents, you know, were like in their very early 20s when they had me. So like when I was five or six years old. Mm hmm four years old or whatever like they were younger than we are now yeah right so it's like they were essentially what we would consider kids yeah no that's crazy to think about like if i if i were my mom i'd have a 14 year old right now like it's weird right yeah i can't i can't imagine that right so so (laughs) like thinking about it from that perspective like both of my parents were under 30 and obviously i don't think that they had the same level of nostalgia that we have for the stuff that we were kids however i do know my dad grew up with G.I. Joe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my dad grew up with the 12-inch G.I. Joes mm-hmm. with the action figure, right? We we learned watching that documentary, and some of us may have already known, G.I. Joe was like the first action figure, right. right? It wasn't a doll. It was an action figure. And so I feel like that may have played a part in it. But, like, they just weren't big sci-fi mm-hmm. people. Like, right. my, my mom is a big horror fan. My mm-hmm. mom was real big into you know, the twilight zone and, you know, stuff like that. So she was into like more psychological horror. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of like my dad coupled with my mom kind of kept me in a fantastic sense grounded in reality. Hence like guys running around with guns Mm -hmm. fighting terrorists instead of guys in space running around fighting terrorists. Like, you know, it's just, so it never really, like I watched Star Wars and I was like, oh, that's cool. But it didn't resonate with me like it did with 
people older than me mm-hmm. and people maybe even a little bit younger than me who like watch Return of the Jedi and that was kind of like their first exposure. Yeah. So didn't do it for me. So right. G.I. Joe was kind of like my thing. But anyways, like we we're way off topic. Yeah, who cares? Yeah. If people we, are gonna listen or they're not gonna listen. <laughs> right, right, this true. is this is our this is our time. True. It's like the movie The Goonies. This is our time down here. <laughs> Up there is their time. Sorry. God. Ooh. I'm just like no, that's okay. I, I, you know, I need I need to fucking have children so that I can understand what's like hot now, like what's on Nickelodeon these days. I'm just um, gonna like be stuck in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, well, and then we'll have kids and we'll just like recycle our old nostalgic items and like. And I was talking about my brother. Like, right. I, I think that's what he's doing. Oh, like, with the so you want to like explain the, a little with bit? The, with so your... yeah, my brother is like seven years younger than me, mm-hmm. and he just got married. Mm-hmm. And he congratulations. Has a, yes, he has a child on the way. Congratulations. And uh, yeah, so my, can't wait to my, cuddle that baby. My mom was just explaining to me how he bought like four hundred dollars worth of Legos. Awesome. And I was like, okay. But she was kind of judgy about yeah, it. Yeah. She was like, your, your brother bought $400 for the Legos. And I was like, well, you know, for me, it made a lot of sense. I yeah. was like, well, he's like. Perhaps don't tell her how much we spent on books at Gen Con. Right, right. We, we, won't, get, <laughs> we won't get into that. But, um, <clears throat> you know, he's he's not like a gamer like we are. Right. But, you know, he comes from the same, you know, he's my younger brother. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> all of my toys. And all that stuff, that's stuff he ended up with. Right. And I'm just like, well, you know, he just got married. He's got a baby on the way. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to, like, hold on to a little bit of that that childhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, just trying to keep some of that. Right. Because, like, we all find that the times that are the most fun, mm-hmm. that we always look back to are, like, our early childhood or, like, our teen years. Right. right. Like, if you think about the music you listen to today, yeah, you probably don't listen to a lot of popular music today no not a ton because you don't identify with it mm-hmm. because like pop music is made for kids yeah. it's made for like your teens and your tweens yeah and so like if you think back like what was the most fun time you know when you're exploring and, and growing mm-hmm. that's probably the music you're going to listen to and i can point clearly to for me yeah like i listened to music from when i was a kid mm-hmm. like classic rock and classic pop and and f- how often have you heard like Africa by Toto. So many times. You know, uh, and yeah. I also listen to like mid to late 90s industrial and heavy metal. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's when I was in high school. That's like right. what was cool when I was in high school. Right. And, you know, aside from the very like random kind of uh, band or experience, like I'm not listening to more new stuff. Like I don't right. know. I don't know what's new. Occasionally like a new metal band will pop up on my radar, but it's still just like kind of recycling it's like sound. a similar sound right. yeah yeah right it's no, not groundbreaking like... it's not right you know and it's, it's like i i didn't start listening to hip-hop until i was in my 20s mm-hmm. but i can't stand hip-hop from today like i didn't grow up with it i didn't like it when i was growing up oh yeah you're not a fan of the um uh, what's it called the big thing and i it's, i'd I say know. i'm too like old. the mumble rap it's just the like mumble rap yeah yeah whatever it is it just doesn't sound good to me so mm-hmm. anyways we decided let's do this podcast let's talk about Let's pick a thing mm-hmm. from each of our our respective orbits of pop culture. Right, joy. doesn't necessarily have to be from our childhood, but we'll, you know, yeah. if if we go there, this episode we're kind of going there, so it makes yeah. sense. We'll be a little bit more nostalgic, but I think there's a couple of things we'll talk about that even like as recently as the past year. Hell, maybe like I could probably do a whole 
episode on Eat the Elephant, the new Perfect a Perfect Circle album that came out last <laughs> April. Like I, there was like a solid month and a half where that was just like every time I turned on music, that's what I was listening to. So, but you know, maybe that wouldn't have necessarily been your first pick, but we right. could do a deep dive on that. You know, doesn't, whatever. There are no rules. Shut up, nerd. Stop judging me. <laughs> so um, anyways, this week we decided that we were going to, we're going to like review respectively. Um, I, I, a little background about me. Mm. Uh, I am a, I guess you could say like a former wrestling fan, yeah. um, which is kind of a misnomer. I, I don't watch wrestling anymore. Right. I don't actively participate in wrestling. However, I listen to wrestling podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I listen to like other people talk about wrestling. So, so like I'm mildly like, informed about. So you kind of know what's going on today. Yeah. Like yeah. in a vague sense. I'm mm-hmm. like someone who stopped watching soap operas, but still picks up like soap opera weekly mm-hmm. and like, you know, reads through and knows that like, right. you know, whatever is going on in general hospital, mm-hmm. but I don't watch it. Right. Um, but like wrestling for me in high school and like post high school, was uh was for a while it was a very big part of my life. So like mid to late nineties. Yeah, 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 definitely. So would you like to tell the people listening at home what you had me watch from this era? Yes, because I, I was not familiar. I had Rachel watch um, the WWF King of the Ring nineteen ninety eight, mm. and um, why I had her watch this was uh, for a reason I didn't tell her until after she was like in the middle of watching it. But mm-hmm. basically, uh. When I was growing up, for those of you who are familiar with wrestling at all, I was a WCW fan. I I was like into the NWO and like the whole Bill Goldberg thing and you know whatever. So I would have had con- like I probably knew I would have I would have known that WWF was a thing and mm-hmm. I would have known that WCW was a thing. Here's how I would have categorized them in my mind at the time. WWF is like the Sears of wrestling and WCW is like the Walmart of wrestling. <laughs> like it seemed like it was on at weirder times, had a lower production value and like less good costuming in its wrestlers. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll paint you a, a picture, a picture. Um, basically in like the mid nineties, mm-hmm. WCW, uh, world championship wrestling and the WWF, the world wrestling federation, um, essentially began competing like really hardcore competing against one another. Right. The WCW was, a bunch of money was spent and, and it was really heavily promoted. And I won't go deep into the politics with you, but essentially um, the like Turner Broadcasting Company and TBS and mm-hmm. and all like they decided like we're going to take this wrestling and we're going to push it because it's been like a major source. It's been, it's been like a, a cornerstone of our broadcasting since the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so some some people in authority, and again, I'm not going to waste people's time. They can look all this stuff up on their own. But basically, these two companies like went head to head. Right. And the WWF had always been like, like kind of the standard, the industry standard, right? Like they, they, that's where Hulk Hogan came from. That's where, you know, Andre the Giant and WrestleMania mm-hmm. and like, so, you know. This is the WWF. This is the WWF. Yeah. So like the WWF was kind of like the gold standard of wrestling uh, on television. Mm-hmm. However, the WCW was, you know, a lot of people in the South, that's like, that was, you eat dinner and you watch WCW, right? Gotcha. So anyways, long story short, 
they start to go head to head on Mondays. Yeah, for like, ratings. Right, for ratings. Like they're they're on at the same time. Okay. So it kind of created like a golden age for pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I was a WCW fan. Uh, and uh, other no for no other reason other than like I had just turned it on and like the NWO was kind of like really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like black and white and seemed like very and like I was a rebellious kid, right? right. So like, you know, seeing like these like guys that don't give a shit about wrestling and they're just coming in and messing with the establishment. So that's what I was into. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a side effect of that, mm-hmm. I started watching a lot of like Japanese death matches. And okay. like, and so I, I started to kind of know some of like the, the deeper intricacies of wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, I started to know faces instead of just like, the, the properties. And so of, the Dapan, Japanese, the Japanese death matches, that was like kind of like a more extreme yeah. professional wrestling. So it's all kind of professional yeah. wrestling and then it's a bit scripted, right, but the right. Japanese death matches were like more extreme in that you right. a lot more physical danger. For, for, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, yes. And there was a third wrestling company as well. I don't know chronologically like where they started to fit in, but there's ECW. Right. Uh, yeah, I think I've heard of that. Now ECW it had like they were you know, so it was extreme championship wrestling. So mm-hmm. of course, I you know I get started on this WCW and I kind of you know I go over to the WWF mm-hmm. at the time. They're now the WWE, but at the time and like I kind of watched some of their stuff and it didn't really appeal to me and I just never really got into it. Right. Mm-hmm. But like this ECW extreme wrestling and like bloody and people are throwing themselves through tables and like. It was very fitting for the time. Right. Right. It's like it's like a time and a place that can't exist again. Right. Couldn't possibly. But anyways, this is what we call the attitude era. Right. Okay. It's like more violence, more blood, more sex, more, you know, more of everything. Mm-hmm. We, I, I tried to I tried to say while we were watching this, that like, you know, they're coming up with more realistic plot lines, but that's not really true. Mm-hmm. They're just like less focused on. Like the the characters, like the Hulk Hogan's and the the junkyard dogs and the that that duds, you know, yeah. like like now it's just like it's kind of more badass, of like, like the plot line rather right. than like the one off. Right, character it's like, to, it's like yeah. you, you got you know your Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, anyways, I, I I had I had sort of resigned myself to being a WCW and ECW fan, mm-hmm. and WWF was just like what the assholes watched, right? <laughs> but. Um, one time, uh, when this pay-per-view aired in 98, um, a kid that I hung out with that I was actually a member of my first D and D gaming group, mm-hmm. he had a black box. So everybody okay. would come over and watch all the wrestling pay-per-views. And so what is a black box for people who might uh, be too young to know? So a black box was something that you got, mm-hmm. um, so that you could illegally get pay-per-views and cable channels. Okay. Uh, again, another thing that was kind of like time and place, right. the cable companies learned to work around them mm-hmm. and they're not really a thing anymore. I don't know if they are. It doesn't really matter. Right. It's not imperative to this conversation. Um, he wouldn't pay for him. He just had a black box. Right. Okay. Like a scrambler Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, so I went and I watched this pay-per-view. And I was like, you know, it's kind of like, whatever. I'm just going to watch this pay-per-view and, you know, hang out with the guys. And, you know, it was like a place I could go underage and smoke. So who cared? Mm-hmm. Right. So we watched this. And this is the first pay-per-view that I ever see and uh, for WWF. And it... At, First pay-per-view, like, adult, right? I had watched, like, the WrestleManias when I was a kid, but that was just kind of, like, whatever. 
Um, but this was like adult, like, you know, almost 18, like, holy shit, formative mm -hmm. pay-per-view. And um, we can talk a little bit about what it was that you saw, because this I felt was like really important for me because mm -hmm. it really kind of like changed my perspective on both wrestling and on the WWF and what was being offered at the time. Right. And like really informed my my further Mm -hmm. adventures in wrestling okay so i sat down and i watched all of the king of the ring um from 1998 the main event of the night what everybody was waiting for was the undertaker well supposedly right it was um you know the, the whole thing is is built around that it's going to be like two wrestlers competing for king of the ring but that was actually the third to the last fight i think then the big you know culmination the big climax right. of the night was the second to last fight which was undertaker versus mankind and then the very last fight was kane versus stone cold steve austin right and kane said that if he didn't win the title from stone cold steve austin he was going to light, light himself on fire himself on fire yeah this, this is the kind they of had shit. gasoline cans right, right, next to right, the ring right. so so yeah um a lot of people they may not even remember like uh, if they think back they might not even remember that this was like a king of the ring mm -hmm. because it's so widely known by like the hell in the cell the hell in the cell yeah that was kind of like what you were waiting for at the end of the night it's like the king of the ring was like an afterthought it was basically just like the vehicle for us right. to consume the, the hell in the cell so where i like at this point in 1998, when this came out, so here's here's kind of my perspective on wrestling at this time, just mm -hmm. so you know. So when I was a little girl, like mm, three, four, five, six, my grandfather, who was from the South, he really liked to watch professional wrestling on Sunday mornings. I think that's when it was on Sunday mornings, like after the church was on TV and then like wrestling would come on on Sundays. And sometimes maybe it would come on Monday evenings, but this was like the late 80s. And so I was like exposed to, I'd watch it with them, right? Because I was a little, I didn't have anything else going on and wrestling. It's fun, like, you know, people and fun characters and fun um, costumes or whatever. So this was like your Hulk Hogan, your Macho Man Randy Savage, um, your Andre the Giant time period, the guy who always went, whoo! What was his name? His name is Ric Flair. Ric Flair, yeah. So there's like all the Ric Flair. And so this was something I was exposed to when I was little and then thought nothing of it. Like, you know, didn't hang out with my grandparents as much. And then I became a teenager and I was in high school. And I see all these people with these like 316 t-shirts on. I just So I just moved to like small town Indiana. I see all these people wearing 316 t-shirts on. I just assume everybody is super religious until I kind of catch on that this is a wrestling thing. And I'm a freshman in high school around this time and i'm like what the hell everybody's all these boys are so into wrestling and in my mind i'm like isn't wrestling like really played out like wasn't this popular when we were all like tiny children and now mm -hmm. all these boys like you know 14 15 16 17 year old guys are like super into wrestling and wearing stone cold steve austin t-shirts this class oh my and, god they were everywhere yeah no people loved wrestling at this yeah. time like it was huge and um I didn't get it, but I knew it was a thing. Like I knew who the under, I knew who all these people were because you couldn't help because it was everywhere. So if right. you were this age in the nineties, I even told my friend, Anna, I texted her like, she was like, Hey, you want to come over and do a thing? And I'm like, Oh, I'm watching nineties wrestling with Nathan. It's this, this, and this. <laughs> and I was like, it's kind of silly. Right. And she goes, Oh no, I loved it back in the nineties. So she was like, she either right. thought it was fun to watch or she had friends who, I don't know. Oh, But that's like, so wrestling kind of like nearly perished mm -hmm. because of its own kind of like childish wholesomeness, right? Mm. And there was all kinds of things that were going on at the time 
where it was just like they couldn't they're just it's like the wheels were spinning right? right but they couldn't there was no momentum and you started to see the rise of like so so there's a there's a couple of terms in wrestling the heel and the face right, right. so the heel is your bad guy right and your bad guy tries to accumulate heat right he mm-hmm. wants to get booed he wants to be the bad guy and then you have your face right and your face is like your traditional good guy that's mm-hmm. like the guy that's like the hero and you know take your vitamins and say your prayers well like for wrestling to survive in the television era like they had to evolve right they had to like change what they were offering because as you grow up and you become smarter mm-hmm. you start to go well this is like i'm i don't care Right. right. We want as people, we want three dimensional entertainment. You know, it's like we can't just we can't just rely on the old like carnival barker days of like, you know, here's the villain, Ric Flair. And he's mm-hmm. he's so handsome and he can barely keep these gators on the ground. Right. Like right. we can't rely on that. And so you start to see the the rise of like a more like f- uh, more freedom in in the development of these storylines where you start to blur mm-hmm. the lines between the fantasy world that wrestling builds mm-hmm. and the reality mm-hmm. of of real life the, the, there's a there's an insider term for that as well but it's like so much vocabulary oh oh my god like wrestling there's like we could sit here for days and talk yeah. about just you the have vocabulary. I mean at a disadvantage because I don't know this much about Disney. And, I just know I and, like and it, and that's that's <laughs> that's fair. Like, I, but I, like I, I don't you know I don't want to admire you in that stuff because it's not really important, mm-hmm. right? It's just like what you're seeing is and and I'll I'll be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, you're and, geeking out a little bit, but I like of course it. I encourage it. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like watching this with you, yeah. I was like, oh, this is kind of lame, uh, <laughs> right? Because you, so, can, you can never go back. Right, exactly. Yeah, and and full disclosure, I've experienced similar things and uh, when we watched Aladdin. But So let me kind of yeah, break down please. into this. So we sat down to watch wrestling. Uh, Nathan, I think, got the, the old pay-per-view from like the WWE online or some kind of service. The WWE service. Network. It's only $20 a month or something. Is that all like, it is? And I you can watch all the wrestling you, you want? You can watch all the wrestling you want, all the historical. Is your first month free? Your first month is free. Then that's all they're we need to say. They're not sponsoring this at all. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. <laughs> we don't not. have sponsors. We have one podcast. <laughs> we have like 15 followers on, on Twitter. So Thank you, yeah. all of you. Yeah, um, but we're not sponsored. No. So anyway... Uh, we watch it and I'm diligent, right? I'm a student of life and I'm better at being a student and taking notes than almost anything else in the world, right? So I sit down with my notebook and my pen and I'm like, I'm going to take notes. And I start to take notes on every single match, who, who, who the, the opponents are, who the winner is, what were the major highlights, what were the silly, ridiculous things. And then I realize there's like six or seven matches before we even get to the who gives a fuck match right (laughs) Right. and i'm like i'm kind of losing steam i'm like okay but it was all entertaining some of it was very like what's is the word homoerotic (laughs) is that that is a word that i will accept you to use yeah there was one guy oh geez let's see if i wrote down his name was it JJ? Oh, Je- Jeff. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Is that he? Was he the one wearing the um? Yeah. The, du- the silver outfit. Double Double J. Double J. Double J. Jeff Jarrett. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, I, I wrote down uh, that he he looked ridiculous, right? <laughs> like he looked so silly. I'm mean, like, who would who would root for him to win? I don't think anybody would root. 
for him to win. Jet Jarrett versus Ken Shamrock, and Ken Shamrock ultimately won, yeah. right? To go on and face The Rock. Interesting that for you would King use the, the word ultimately because oh, Ken Shamrock was an ultimate, ultimate fighter, fighter right? right? Yeah, so he was like a real UFC guy, and then probably his body started to break down a little bit, and he's like, "How can I, yeah. you know, support myself and my family? I'll do professional wrestling," and he killed it. Yeah, because um, he looked like an action figure. S- strangely enough, it's like a weird career choice because, like, you, you can. It seems like you can go from a like a professional fighter to a wrestler really well mm-hmm. but the opposite like going from a professional wrestler to a professional fighter yeah. it's like a 50 50 crapshoot it's like two different really two different skill sets yeah it's very hard to get punched in the face after 30 yeah i mean yes that's true yeah. i would agree um but anyway i was saying that jeff jarrett he came out wearing this like silver leotard but it's like the pants were silver and then there was like a a, a, um, a silver kind of choker that went up around his neck his back was bare and then from the choker were three long silver stripes that went over his nipples and then through his center. And I think I wrote down, he looks like he's Freddie Mercury's wet dream. <laughs> like, he, it, he, it was, but he was probably JJ, Jet Jarrett. Double J. Double J, sorry. Jet Jarrett, that's okay. Sound, I mean, it's like, they're all convenience store names, right? Yeah. Double J. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to the Double J to pick up some Advil and a Slurpee. Like, so anyway... Like, he was probably, of all the wrestlers that we watched that night, with the exception of Kim Shanrock, probably, like, the most cut. Like, all of the wrestlers definitely look like big guys, but they looked really puffy. Like, they were very muscular yeah. and very strong. Even The Rock, like, it's he didn't look like The Rock like yeah. you know him now. Like, The Rock now is, like, the most impressive human yeah. specimen, but The Rock back in 1998. Yeah, definitely more than he was back then. Yeah, like, he was a big guy, and he was really strong and very muscular, but they're all kind of puffy. You know, I noticed that, too. But Double J was, like, cut. Like, he looked like he was at the gym and ate zero carbs ever. Yeah, that was the one thing that I noticed, too. Like, I don't know if that's a holdover from, like, those, like, southern wrestling days but like all of the wrestlers but for the most part like 95 percent of them mm-hmm. they did have that kind of like puffy water weighty kind of yeah. you know like now and and later on from there like in the 2000s like you start to see these wrestlers that are like really cut mm-hmm. but like wrestlers were back then were kind of like and, and they i wouldn't were kind call, of poorly defined yeah like i wouldn't call them fat no, but, but like now they look like bodybuilders. Yeah, now right? they look like they are spending as m- much time in the gym as they are sleeping. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Um, but anyway, so so Ken Shamrock ultimately won. The Rock won all of his fights. They go to do King of the Ring, right? That's the whole point of the of the pay per view. That's what it's titled, mm-hmm. right? Right. Right. So I, I know who The Rock is, right? I like Dwayne Dr- Johnson. I'm a red blooded American woman, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm gonna root for The Rock. I, d- I had heard Ken Shamrock's name before, but I didn't really get it. And his whole shtick was this that he like flexed his arms and like had his neck veins pop out. Whereas The Rock <laughs> was just starting to become The Rock, right? As we knew him, very charismatic. Yeah, he's starting to kind of have that swagger. He had the eyebrow, but I don't. He wasn't the. He wasn't like the main act, right? right? Yeah. So So so, can you explain that? Because you explained it to me while you were watching. So the Rock at this point in time, the Rock is coming off of being Rocky Maivia, right? Mm -hmm. Who's like the most obnoxious, like curly-haired, stupid, costumed, dumb, smiling-faced, right? Like most annoying wrestler, right? Right. So. He gets something called go home heat. Okay. Right? Go home heat is like what I explained earlier. Like heat is something that that you want mm-hmm. when you're a heel. Go home heat. It's kind of like the booze. Right. Uh, also known as X-Pac heat. Mm-hmm. 
is when like they really hate you. Like they actually like they actively actually hate like you. they don't just hate your character. Mm-hmm. They're they're like you are a douchebag. You suck. Mm-hmm. Fuck you specifically. Mm-hmm. And so there's a fine line between that, but. He had just sort of transitioned into, like, the character The Rock. Right. And he was a member of the Nation of Domination at the time. And mm-hmm. so he was playing to that that heel role, but he was starting to, like, really show that sort of dominant, charismatic, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you, you know, think sort of yeah. Can you smell what The Rock is right, cooking? Right, yeah. He wasn't quite there. He was only he about, was, like, a year and a half right. away, right? He was very, like, close to exploding as like a like top superstar right so and of course now he is like one of the highest paid actors ever and right, is right. in everything and everybody loves he's him. like one of the few professional wrestlers to ever like really transcend mm-hmm. professional wrestling like and really become like a true like hollywood yeah icon. can we just can we just talk about the rock for a minute and pause yeah. like he really is like a freaking impressive person yeah like he's really really smart He's incredibly talented. I mean, he's not a bad actor. No. Like, I mean, he couldn't have gotten this far if he was bad. I, I, he's I so, do have to say, though. He's so charismatic. Yeah, go ahead. I have to say that there are very few movies I've watched with The Rock in them. I don't really know, like, why Rock is so famous. Because, mm-hmm. like, I really don't ever watch movies with him in it. But also, I don't really ever watch Fast and Furious movies. There you go. Yeah. And so I know, like, those are huge. Yeah. But I don't really understand why. Well, I think... Yeah, he's been in a lot of movies. He's probably just been in like he's so you like action movies. Mm-hmm. I could be totally wrong, but I think with the exception of the Fast and the Furious movies, I'd say most of his action movies have been action comedies, mm-hmm. right? Which probably isn't your bag, right? right? Who knows? But you know, maybe we should have like you know when it's like a cold winter day and we're both off around Christmas, we should. I really want to like watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies in one go. <laughs> like, you know, Harry Potter, psh, Lord of the right. Rings, psh, who cares about that? I want to watch all the Fast and the Furious movies for, in a row because I actually really, really like the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the original Vin Diesel, what's his name who died? I forget. Paul Walker. Paul Walker. That first one, it was really, really good. God damn it, Rachel. I'm sorry, no, I forgot. Okay. I'm just kidding. God rest his soul. I'll make the sign of the cross. Paul I feel, Walker. I feel a little bit bad. I can't remember everybody's name. Anyway, yeah, but I like The Rock. I think he's like a very dynamic, charismatic person. He's the type of person who could run for office and people would take him seriously. I mean, as long as he's got a political stance. Yeah. I'm not saying I'd vote for him. I'm not saying I wouldn't. But I'm saying he could run for office and he'd have a shot. But he, he, well, and I I would say at least if you take like into account the last two years of the political scene in this country. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, I yeah. Don't, I he would, could be the I next president. Count him out. Yeah, I wouldn't. But anyways, let's talk about back to wrestling. Right. Let's Sorry. let's talk about the I, King of the Ring. Yeah. So anyway, the King of the Ring match goes. I'm watching it. I'm rooting for The Rock because I know The Rock and Kim Shamrock's Kim Shamrock's not done much to like impress me, right? As far as like being a character that I want to support, right? Right. And I don't have it, any of the background of Rocky Maivia being kind of a douche, right? I'm just I know The Rock, right. and The Rock at this time is like 26 years old, so he looks like a baby. Yeah. So. They're wrestling, and I'm getting, like, I realize I'm kind of starting to get into it. I'm, like, every time, like, you know, one of them gets down and pins the shoulders of the other one, and the ref goes in and hits one, two, and then they kick up their shoulders at the last one. I'm, like, ah! Like, I'm getting really into it. Yeah. And, like, The Rock has, like, pinned Ken Shamrock a couple times, and or, like, three times in a row, and they're both, like, panting, and they're both playing it up a lot, and The Rock's, um, you know, facial expressions are just totally over the top and ridiculous, but it's, like, fun. And I'm, like, I'm, like, oh, like, I'm getting frustrated, and it's, like, they're just building anticipation. 
At the end of the day, I'm very disappointed. Ken Shamrock ends up winning the match. I don't understand why. Well, it's like watching a piece of drywall beat the rock. Well, like you know, you know I mean, I was gonna say you have to you have to then look at like okay, Ken Shamrock may have won the King of the Ring. Yeah, but I feel like the Rock really won life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The rock. the last I heard from Ken Shamrock was he was like fighting in some off brand fight organization. And he was fighting a guy who has since passed away. Mm-hmm. But it, like this fight organization was well known for its um, reticence to drug test. Oh. And also um, perhaps rumors may indicate that Ken Shamrock threw the fight. So, okay. you know, it doesn't always work out for everybody. But right. Ken Shamrock, as I was kind of telling Rachel at the time, I was like, you know, five years before or five years after, he probably could have made a big splash, but he just wasn't like, he didn't have the ring presence. Mm-hmm. He's just like, ah, very scary, intimidating mm-hmm. guy, but he just didn't have, yeah. he didn't have the charisma right. to be a good wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Like, you you really got the sense some of these people were just performers, mm, right? Yeah. And some of them could just take a beating. Yeah. Um, like Double J, very much a performer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Rock. He was recently inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, I might oh, add. Well, good for him. Well, yeah. Was he wearing his silver jumpsuit <laughs> when that happened? Because well, he should have been. You know what? It, and it's funny that you, you're kind of like laying into him a little bit because he's not super well respected in like the wrestling fan world mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. Um, that's... Well, maybe we'll explore that years yeah, from now. We can go down that road another right, we'll time. Have, we'll have like a true Hollywood story. He just definitely had the most memorable J. and the most silly outfit. Like even sillier than the guys that came out in like 90s flannels and kilts. Like, <laughs> the headbangers? Yeah. yeah, the headbangers. <laughs> yeah, that's how far back we were. We were at the headbangers. Also, I want to give a special shout out to probably one of the most embarrassing matches. And it, like... I, I was I was kind of glad that it was on this pay-per-view where they had Al Snow oh, yeah. and his mannequin head <laughs> and he had to wrestle like with the two hots or two sexies or whatever. Oh, I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe you wrote them down. I, I it, did. It didn't matter. Too much. Too much. A tag team with too hot and too sexy. Look this match up if you've not seen it. It's quite and Al embarrassing. Al Snow and the head. Right, right. Al Snow and his mannequin head. Yeah, he's that like he wrote "Help Me" on. Yeah, the Al Snow is crazy. His character's crazy, yeah. and he has his tag team partner is like a mannequin head. And uh, and like crazy, like the the most like stereotypical, like silly crazy. Yeah, like like I've got this head and I talk to it and it talks to me like like someone who wanted to play a Malkavian but never read the book totally, and came to LARP. Totally couldn't. Yeah. It could not like you couldn't have a character like that today. Yeah. Because it's just it's so, so offensive. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. incredibly offensive and like yeah. really reductive. Well, to be fair, everything I watched was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And, uh, and again, like you could, there's no way you could have done like, any like of that. Like Sable, stuff. the female wrestler gets yeah. her ass slapped. We, we and, saw like, we saw yeah. like, a, like they like diminished the importance of, of mental health mm-hmm. and like sexually assaulted someone. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was just like, Every now I know why in the first episode from last week when we recorded, you're like, you may be horribly offended by this. Because <laughs> <Right, 'cause laughs> I was like, so... really, it's just wrestling. Yeah, no, it was. But it was wrestling in an era where they were just like, hey, fuck it. Just do it. Yeah. Right? Nobody cared. And it like went on like that until like the early 2000s. Right. And, and then it was just like culture changed. Mm-hmm. And so wrestling had to change. And like now it's very saccharine and mm-hmm. everything's very deliberate. And there's like. 
you know, maybe a little thing or, you know, here or there that's like, oh, a little shocking, but it's like not what it was then. Right. Well, so getting into the shocking piece. <clears throat> so we all know that wrestling is scripted usually who's going to win, who's going to lose. But, you know, physically, it is very hard on the body. It's like apparent if you sit down and watch it. Like, you know, maybe they're not actually punching each other in the face, but those are real slaps they're taking to the chest. Those are real falls that they have to practice and learn how to do. And those got to be painful, too. I mean, like some of those, I don't know what they're all called, but some of those maneuvers, like if you land the wrong way, you could break someone's neck. You got like two, three, 300 pound guys that are just like flinging each other around and pile driving into like what looks like a pretty hard mat. So you have to be physical, good physical shape. And and you're probably have a good chance of getting hurt if you're not training right. right. So it's like that being said, it's all scripted. Okay, well, (laughs) then the hell in the cell comes on. And so to set this up, you have the undertaker who's like this like seven foot tall, scary, you know, has been kind of a WWF star up until this point and was for quite a long time after that even. And he's like evil and demonic. Yeah, only like three or four years ago. Right. I, I think I remember hearing that. So anyway. And then he, there's like some plot going on where there's like a, we don't need to yeah, go into it. It's right. just, it's too. I, don't even, I couldn't even tell you. It's too much nonsense. But anyway. He's the devil and he's yeah. coming in, you know, whatever. It's yeah. the, the devil, Satan, who cares? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, I when that <laughs> stuff comes on, I'm like, oh, I see why this appealed to you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> when you were 17. Right, right. So like heavy metal listening, like, oh, I hate everybody, fuck the world, Nate. Like I could see why you would like this. So um, The Undertaker comes out. And, but first, well, mankind. Yes, yeah. So he's fighting mankind. And mankind's thing is that he's kind of like this like tortured person who's like been twisted and he warped by, mask and yeah, by years of abuse. And he wears like a crazy mask and he kind of lumbers around in a flannel yeah. like a... It, do- like, like, it doesn't even make he sense. He kind of looks like the way his, his body movements are and the way he holds himself reminds me of, of the main guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like a mm-hmm. very twisted. Like I feel like yeah. he's kind of evoking yeah. that in his character. So anyway, mankind comes out and he's like nutty. He's and so carrying they, a chair. He's carrying a chair, like a, a metal chair. And they lower the hell the cell, the metal cage over the ring. And he kind of like looks around and he throws the chair up on top of the cell. And then this giant man with wrestling boots on proceeds to climb the chain link fence around the cell and he climbs to the top and you can see the weight giving underneath right. him as he's walking across the, the and, chain and, link and uh, for like a brief description for those few of you who are not familiar with mankind or Mick Foley and what he physically looks like Rachel did a good job of describing how he sort of moved but he basically looks like if you took like a really out of shape 300 pound guy mm-hmm. and just like threw spandex on him yeah, and, and, a, and, a, and an office shirt and a tie yeah yeah like he doesn't look like he should be wrestling anything Mm -mm. he kind of looks like the guy the stapler guy from the office space (laughs) if he had long hair and a mask right yeah so anyway so he goes mick foley mankind climbs on top of the thing then the undertaker comes out and it's like the bells and like the scary black music Mm -hmm. and the undertaker looks up and so then he climbs on top of the cage and then like the announcers are like i think they're gonna fight on top of the cage and it's like yeah like no shit they both these two giant men just climbed up there duh and the cage is like i'd say like 20 feet 16 it's built at 16 feet yeah so it's 16 feet off the ground right so they start like fighting and wrestling and hitting each other with the chair on top of the cage right and then all of a sudden uh the undertaker throws mankind off <laughs> of the cage into the announcer's corner 
mankind smack crashes through a table and everyone's like the announcers are rolling with it and they're like oh blah 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 oh is he okay he's dead (laughs) he's dead they broke him that's a funny slide one guy goes they broke him in half So silly, and but I'm like watching it. Did my like jaw drop? Yeah, I kind of wish yeah. you well, had cause, a video cause camera. Like, I, like, I, I wish I had too, but like, um, you know, I, I kind of knew it was coming, mm-hmm. but like it had been so long that I since I'd seen it, right? Like, I didn't realize it was so quick into the match, yeah. And it was only like a couple of minutes, no, like kinda, they were only up there, right, like back yeah. and forth, punch and kick in, and then just all of a sudden, boom, throws them off, yeah, throws them off. And then, so there's a couple minutes of them trying to like figure it out or whatever. And then, like, the a guy who plays the Undertaker, he's like standing on top of the cage and he's kind of like puffed up and looking around, looking all mean, looking down. And like, you can see in the camera, he's like holding character, but like. If deep in his eyes and his soul, he's like, "No oh, shit, I hope he's okay." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but he's like totally like playing the character. He's all beefed up, and then so like they pull mankind off on a stretcher and they're pulling him back up the aisle towards the entrance. And then you see mankind; they've taken off his mask because like they actually need to check if Mick Foley is like alive and breathing and okay. Right. right. So they they did, but then somehow Mick Foley, the yeah. consummate professional like pulls himself out of the stretcher and like staggers and wanders back to the cage, climbs back up to the top of the cage and continues fighting the undertaker. And then they're fighting, fighting, fighting. Well, remember the undertaker's like seven foot something, 300 something mankind's like six foot five plus and 300 something heavy dude. So there's at least 600 pounds of weight on top of this cage. And like the ceiling of the cage is chain link fence. So at some point, both of them are walking on the chain link fence and all of a sudden the weight gives and Mick Foley, who's not wearing his mask anymore, falls whack and crashes through onto the mat. So 16 feet before, you know, Nathan told me afterwards, he's like, he whispered to the undertaker, throw me through the table. And he like angled his body and he had done this, he had done similar things enough. He was enough in tune with his body and what was happening that he could crash through the table. It was probably, he probably actually yeah. was hurt and got a concussion, but he did it in such a way that he didn't break his back. Right, right. When he fell from the ceiling, and Nathan told me all of this based on like an autobiography you had read yeah, or an interview some you had things, seen. Some things that I had read yeah. and, and some, some internet, you know, smarks right. talking about. So Mick Foley falls through the roof of the cell, uh-huh. hits all the way like on the mat and apparently that fall was physically like way worse because they didn't plan it they didn't know that the the roof was going to collapse like that on them so he falls through and crashes and then the right. chair it's like a dull thud in yeah the middle yeah of the ring. and you can see in his face because he's not wearing the mask that he's in like horrible pain when he falls but then after he falls but as he's falling he hits the mat and then the chair falls through and hits him in the head and then hits the mat. So he's he's fallen he's fallen sixteen plus feet twice. And one time wasn't planned, so he couldn't prepare for the fall. And then a chair fucking hits him on the head. So it's crazy, right? And I'm just like, what? What? I was like, this I mean it's fake, but it's not freaking fake. Like it's like real, right? Then like the most disturbing thing happens. Like mankind's character had like a sack with him <laughs> and it, it was full of thumbtacks, right. like big well, industrial let's, office let's, thumbtacks. Let's hold on real quick cuz I I want to reestablish this. Like this wasn't enough for him. Oh yeah. Right, right. He he was like, "Oh my god, we're we're both like and I'd seen this before. I knew it was coming." But it was just like to see it again was like, "All right, just like that's the end of the match. Yeah, you could you just you right. could stop. Right. You could like, go like, home. Like oh my god, you're you're clearly and the way he fell 
with this one, it was just, it didn't look good. No. Right? It looked like it fucked him up. Yeah, it did. And like, oh, that was the other thing. His tooth came out and punctured the top of his lip. Right. So he had one of his teeth. His mouth was all bloody. One of his teeth, I looked like one of his incisors on the bottom had come out and had skewered the top of one of his lips. So he had like a like a like a tooth sticking out of his lip almost into his nose. So like if I'm understanding correct from what you told me, they both they basically were like, you know, matches preset Undertaker's going to win, right? So sorry, spoilers. As far as I recall. Right. right. Undertaker this happened was in 98. Right. So it's Undertaker was going to win. But they were like, "We'll keep going until you say I'm I've had enough and we'll put on a good show for people." So dude falls twice, probably has two concussions. Teeth have been knocked out. They've been rammed through his face. Been hit in the head with a chair. Not one that someone was throwing, but one that fell and hit him like with a full right. force of gravity, right? He takes this bag of thumbtacks. And this is a thing that he's known for, sort of. Yeah, this is kind of his shtick, right? Right. He takes a bag of thumbtacks. And the whole idea is is that he's going to, like, body slam the Undertaker into the thumbtacks. But then, you know, things get twisted around. Long story short, the Undertaker ends up body slamming him into the thumbtacks. But the thing that's crazy is that Mick Foley is, like, so amazing. The guy who played Mankind Undertaker body slams him into the thumbtacks, but he doesn't really land in them. He kind of lands next to them. He gets a couple on his shoulder, but then he's like rolls into the thumbtacks, like does like a a barrel roll all the way through all the thumbtacks he dumped out. So this guy is just like, I, at this point my mind is blown. Right. So I won't go on about it anymore. Actually, there was one more match. But it's kind of like at that point, who cares? The crazy right. thing that I will mention about that, so the, the Undertaker ends up winning. Mankind goes off, and he's being, like, helped off by everybody. The final match happens with, like, um, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Kane. 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 So, but, like, kind of who cares? Right. But then, like, in the middle of that match, the Undertaker and Mankind come back out and end up helping Kane. And they, like, come in, and they do some fun stuff, and they, like, disappear. And I'm just like, oh, my God, Mick Foley, like, have a cup of coffee and take a break. Like, <laughs> like you were literally taken off in a stretcher, and probably they thought that was going to be the end of it, and that right. was the end of the show. And then you were like, no, I'm good, I got this, guys, and came back. Strangely. And just, oh, so crazy. My, my favorite part of that match mm-hmm. is uh, a guy by the name of Terry Funk. and. Okay. Um, and someday we're going to have to watch beyond the mat and, okay. you know, the documentary. Yeah, yeah. So there's some documentaries and, um, the sort of aftermath of that match is in that documentary. But my, my, my favorite part of that is Terry Funk. Who's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. He's got to be like in his fifties at this point. Mm-hmm. Cause he's all, yeah, he's like 74 now. So he had to be like anybody who's wrestling in their fifties needs to stop. Right. Right. Not Terry Funk. He don't care. So he comes out, and Terry Funk is kind of known for, like, really dramatically kind of, like, blurring the lines between fact and fiction with mm-hmm. wrestling. So he kind of fit right in at that time. And The Undertaker grabs Terry Funk and choke slams him out of his shoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. So this is during the Mankind Undertaker match. Everyone's kind of coming in to get Mankind and, and, like, help him off after he's been, like, 
you know, hit down after the count. And Undertaker just picks Terry Funk up by the throat, this like seemingly innocent looking man in his 50s, and choke slams him into the mat. And Terry Funk's shoes just fly off. So, like, his tennis shoes are like abandoned in the mat while he gets up and helps mankind. That was like, yeah, you're right. That's so funny. Yeah. I wonder, I bet it was intentional. He like didn't tie his shoes so that they would fly off. I don't know. Yeah, don't... that's so funny. I forgot about his that. Fucking Z But anyway, pants. you tell me your favorite thing about that rewatch it with me and then i'll tell you my favorite thing my favorite thing about re-watching it with you was um the fact that you sat through the whole thing i did i watched the whole thing and um honestly like you were kind of engaged through mm-hmm. it and and but also my favorite thing too was just being able to like re-watch it and be like oh yeah um this this doesn't this isn't something I care about anymore. Right. <laughs> but like I, I liked to be able to be like, hey, this is what this is and this is what this means and like give you the little insights and like mm-hmm. like one so this is gonna be mean and 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 I'm I'm sorry that I'm saying it, but you gotta have a little gallows humor, I think, sometimes. But we were sitting there watching it and I was I was like, We should have we should have a drinking game. And Rachel was like, well, What do you mean? And I was like, We just take a shot every time someone's someone that's in the ring is dead. Because there's so many people Mm -hmm. from that time that have died, that are deceased, like, like, but not Mick Foley. No, no, (laughs) no, he's made every effort, but he's, he's still here. But yeah, there was just so many people, like every, every match you'd see somebody and you'd be like, oh, that, that's, yeah, that guy, that guy's not here or. You know, China was like a big focus. Oh yeah, too. China and, was in and, the. And yeah, she's, she's passed she's away. She's passed away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just like to go back and see that was mm-hmm. kind of interesting. But to be able to like kind of explain it to you, right? And you, you know, vaguely seeming interested. Yeah. Like that was. I like really, I really was interested. I, I I think my favorite thing about it was um, like if I had to obviously just how well it was so entertaining. Like the first couple of matches, like were were silly and funny and like we could joke around about them and, and that's what what made them entertaining but like the main thing the hell in the cell i mean it was very compelling right and i i did kind of i didn't know who was gonna win and um i i really appreciated how if i had been there in that and this is my favorite thing if i had been there in the arena watching it with all of those people it probably would be an experience i wouldn't forget for the rest of my life because you could tell the people who were there were just absolutely captivated. Oh my god! Like and they like, were so into it, and the feeling that that must have like from like all of these people in arena, you know, like just like just people watching these gladiators fight. And yeah. this wasn't like you know people watching the Mayweather, um, you know, Conor McGregor fight. People were into that and they were excited for it. But this was like you could even through the screen, even like almost twenty years later, twenty years later, you could still feel like how excited people were and yeah. how how much how invested they were in these performers and just like the absolute amazing show that these wrestlers put on and so i think that was my favorite thing was getting that sense from the fan even over you know tv all these years later that yeah. was really cool wow. so um to compliment that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, we did a Twitter poll on Nathan's other podcast, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, which I think some people were like, why the fuck are you asking us about Disney movies? We're here for vampire. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> you just want to get as many people as you can. You yeah. Know? So um, we were like, hey, should Nathan watch The Lion King? Should he watch Aladdin or another Disney movie? Well, 
I was just kind of interested to see what the response would be if he did that. And he politely obliged me. Um, but it really didn't matter how those people voted. If you are listening and you voted, I was always going to have him watch Aladdin. Uh, and there was a couple reasons why I picked Aladdin specifically. So the first being that um, between so I was I was going between Aladdin and the Lion King. Right. And the first reason was was because I felt the character of Aladdin was maybe someone more that Nathan could identify with than the character of Simba. And the reason being is, is Aladdin is like this, this diamond in the rough. He's this, this person who knows that he's worth a lot, that knows that he can do great things, but circumstances in his life being what he, he, they are, he just hasn't had that shot or that opportunity for greatness. And so I'm not saying that that is perfectly analogous by any means to Nathan, but, but you two are a guy who kind of like worked really hard in your 20s and had a job and you stuck it out and you did all these things, but then, you know, kind of you were like, oh, I can do more than this. Like, I, I, can, I can be more. And so you, you went through the hard um, exercise of going back to school and you did it and you did awesome. And then you, you were like, you know, I have these, these interests and these things I love. I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to podcast. I'm going to, you know, get into broadcasting. And now you're, you're working in the business. And, and granted, it's, it's very much an entry-level position, but it's like it's something you're passionate about that you really wanted to do. And so you're, you're a person who, like, knows your value, knows your worth, who I'm very proud of to know as a friend, let alone, you know, more than that. Um, and so I was like, I feel like, Maybe Aladdin will speak to him more. If I'm going to make this man, this this man in his late 30s, sit down and watch a Disney movie for children, it's I'm going to try to get it to like be something that he's going to be a loose bit interested in. The Lion King is basically just Hamlet in Africa. Uh-huh. Like it's you know the whole idea of the Lion King is is that you know he's born his father Mufasa was the king. Mufasa was killed by his uncle. Uh, you know, Simba goes yeah. off into the jungle, comes back. It's like, it's I not mean, I really, I felt like, kind a, of, I felt like I knew the story of a yeah. lot. Like I, it's one of those things like the Lion King is so monumental mm-hmm. culturally mm-hmm. that like you, it's kind of inescapable, right. right? Like, you know, the characters, like, you know, Hakuna Matata, right? Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't no, want to know Hakuna Matata. It was Matata. pervasive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, it's the same, same thing. Like in high school, like I knew who Austin, what Austin 316 right. was, even though I never watched wrestling. Right. Right. You can't get away from it. It was everywhere, right? right? When we were kids. I would think I was like 10, you were like 13, right? Right. So um, that being said, and, and then also another thing is, is I, I, someone, someone who's listening, look this up and comment on our Twitter uh, if, if, if this is true, if you can find a link to it. But I seem to recall like in undergrad, you know, to get like some credit, I took an East English or a, 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 an East Asian cultures class. And I believe at the time the professor told me that, the whole entire um, plot, it wasn't a shot for shot ripoff, but like the plot of The Lion King was ripped off of a Japanese anime um, that was a bit older. <laughs> that it was just like, it was took place in Africa, had lions, same kind of storyline and everything. And so I was kind of like, ever since I heard that, I'm kind of like, come on, Disney, be better than that. Yeah, I don't know why also, I was expecting like, Disney no, to be better D- than D- that. Disney's never been better than that. And, right. And so I feel like most normal people, mm-hmm. whatever that is, are probably going to be like, Okay, so you made her sit through, what, like three hours of wrestling, Mm -hmm. and all she did was make you watch Aladdin? Like, Aladdin is amazing, and Disney movies are great. Yeah. And you are right. Yes. Except I don't agree with you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I need to say this very plainly. This is a big effort on my part because I don't like Disney. Mm -hmm. But more than I don't like Disney, 
in insofar as like their Disney movies, like mm-hmm. you know your Cinderellas and your you know whatnot, because um, uh, Disney owns Marvel, and uh, I like Marvel. You like Marvel, um, but uh, more that I I don't like Disney. I don't like things where there's singing in them. Yeah, that's really what puts you off. That's yeah. where the aversion musicals. is. Yeah, right. I yeah. don't I don't enjoy musicals. Yeah, uh, I think music is for music, and. Uh, Cartoons are for cartoons, yeah, and never the two should meet. So that was something he commented on about 10 minutes into the movie. He's like, this would be better if there was no singing. Yeah. So let me kind of just, so I picked Aladdin, Mm -hmm. and the reason why Aladdin, The Lion King, the reason those are kind of like important to me and big in my life are kind of the same reasons that Jurassic Park and a few other movies and a few other cartoons that were on in the late or mid to late nineties were really important to me. And so this is just like a little bit about me and my background. So my mom was a single parent and she worked a lot and oftentimes she worked nights. And so sometimes I would be by myself in the evening. Um, and you know, I was very much like a latchkey kid. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's basically like, you know, a kid whose parents work all the time. They have a key to the house. They come home, they lock the door. They don't answer the door for anybody. And, you know, they're by themselves a lot or whatever. On top of that, I was an only child. So I spent a lot of time alone. And so in the evenings, um, you know, we didn't always have cable, but we always had a VHS player. And so, like, I basically had all, like, I had about five or six movies on VHS, and they were on constant rotation, and they were always on in the background, one, so that it would always sound like someone was home, and two, so I would, like, kind of never, uh, you know, be kind of bored or lonely, and, like, Aladdin and The Lion King and a few other movies were, like, the ones that were always, all, one of those was always in the VHS player playing, and, um, and so I knew all the songs. I knew all the words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she did. I I know, like scene for scene. There was a time, like not anymore, but probably as recent as my late teens, early twenties, I could probably quote you a lot of the movie. Right, I watched it a bunch, so that's why these movies were so important to me. And I would like, you know, it sounds kind of sad and pitiful, but I would like make believe that I was these characters, and I would like act out the scenes as they were happening in the show, and so. That was that was why these movies were so impactful to me, and so um, a little bit different than where Nate was coming from with the wrestling, but um, <laughs> very different, perhaps. <laughs> <Yeah>. right? uh, <laughs> different circumstances, different different time periods. But anyway, um, so we watched Aladdin. So Nate, I'll kind of let you take it here. What were your impressions? Your thoughts? Um, so the first thing that. I want to say is I want to give credit to this movie because like the evil villain was, was like oozing evil. Oh yeah. Right? Jaf- Jafar. Right? Like, yeah. like they don't really ever explore motivations other than Jafar is like a power mad wannabe sorcerer. Right. Right. Like, and he, there's like a cave and he wants a genie out yeah. of the cave, but he can't go in it. And right. he's he's like, uh, I'm going to do whatever I have to to get it. And so, like, he just straight up mercs this fucking thief. Right. Like, the thief comes, gives him the scarab, mm-hmm. and it, like, reveals this weird lion talking yeah. cave. And Jafar is just like, hey, go on in there and you'll get all kinds of treasures. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the thief is like, oh, yes. He's a very stereotypical thief. Right. And he goes right in there, and that cave straight up murders him. Yeah. It's just like, no bullshit, yeah, first, he's dead. Yeah, first five minutes, or maybe 
five ten minutes of the movie, yeah. character's yeah. dead. And people death. are like, oh, right. no one, no one ever dies in Disney movies. No, Not no. even the like, bad guys. That guy died. Yeah, that guy. That, he didn't that come... street thief straight up got murked. Yeah, like no, no judge, no jury, just straight up to execution. Mm-hmm. And like they designed this villain right. to look very serpentine mm-hmm. and, and very like very mercurial and mm-hmm. like like just you know like Slimy. right just like very pointy and mm-hmm. and um yeah but i mean it's uh you know i'll say i'll say for like for me and and this isn't really a it's it's not an insult to the movie but it's a very basic plot line right yeah. it's not it's not anything like it's not deeply advanced it's there's like a wizard and he wants like a powerful thing mm-hmm. and he uh, one thing that did strike me as odd was that, you know, like the, the diamond in the rough, like mm-hmm. that's something that's repeated yeah. numerous times. Like this cave will only allow someone that's a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. Like don't really understand. And, you know, granted, I may be thinking too deeply into this, mm-hmm. right? But but so Jafar goes and does like a, a divining spell, right? Mm-hmm. And he finds that there's this street thief, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. And... uh uh, Aladdin is the only one that can enter the cave, right. right? So it was kind of like it was. It was almost like it was predetermined, right? right. Like it was his destiny to go to this cave mm-hmm. to get this lamp. And my brain starts thinking, like I'm like, what? Okay, yeah, yeah. What, what, where is this going to go? Yeah. But anyways, then we get into a sing dance number, mm-hmm. and I'm like, ah, you fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? And also, um, I think that this movie had something that every movie everywhere needs. Which is a um, cartoon caricature that uses Gilbert Gottfried's voice. Yeah, that's, that's what every movie's missing. <laughs> every every movie needs a really loud, obnoxious Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, that's why Problem Child is my favorite movie. Right, <laughs> so. Um, you have that. I forgot about problem child being a thing. <laughs> oh my gosh! So so there's a sing dance number with, um, you know, lots of fat. Vaguely Middle Eastern fellas mm-hmm. uh, with swords. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I was like, where is this? And you're like, oh, it's it's India. And I'm like, but is it? Yeah, I was like, like, I messed like, I was like, it's, it's India. And you're like, no, isn't it from like Arabian Nights? Right. And I'm like, okay, it's, Saudi Arabia. I don't know the right. desert. It's in a fictional location yeah. named Agrabah. Agrabah. Which, which, oh, which is like a vaguely yeah. Middle Eastern But the, the Sultan is always saying like, Allah be praised. And, you know, right, oh, right. Allah help me. So and it's, so it's somewhere in the Middle East. It's Right. Yeah. It's, it's like... If, for like the hardcore nerds, it's like Arabian Nights, the Magic, the Gathering. It's mm-hmm. like it's vaguely, yeah, like geographically Arabic, yeah, but yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Right. right? It's just like whatever. Don't think too deep into it, because otherwise movie. it all unravels. Right. right. And uh, but there's a lot of singing, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, like even my notes. Like I don't have a lot of notes because at a point, like I just get in and I just consume the movie. Right. 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 And, and, I, and I, I like I, I feel like to a certain degree. Like taking notes on every little detail of the movie actually like cheapens the experience, yeah. right? Because yeah. I just want to consume it as a whole. But I have to say, like for all the singing that was in this movie, it mm-hmm. was actually not a lot of singing comparative to other Disney movies. Uh, and somehow, very frantic animators turned Robin Williams into cartoon. I don't yeah. know how the fuck they did that. Yeah, it's actually pretty impressive when you watch, especially the part where they're still in the cave and like Robin Williams is doing his like "I'm the genie, you never had a friend like me." That all like mm. that's really mm. impressive. Oh, and uh, yeah, that's a point that I almost forgot. Um, that is what I would call the only acceptable singing in the entire freaking movie, 
Because, really? it, yeah, well, to me, all the other singing is like when a movie that's a musical breaks into singing, it's just like apropos of nothing. Mm-hmm. However, you have this genie mm-hmm. who very quickly establishes that, like, the laws of reality don't really apply to him. Right. So he's like the only one that's really acceptable to like break out into singing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, well, it's logical because he's like some weird interdimensional being who's been trapped in a bottle for 10,000 years. Yeah. So he can break out into song and like duplicate himself and do all this crazy stuff. And I can enjoy it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm still like grounded in the reality of... Because I'm like, so... One of, the, one of the things that I asked you is I was like, why, what are the rules of this world? And you're like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, how come the parrot can talk, but the monkey can't? And you're not the first person to ask that question. Right. Yeah. And I, but I still don't have like a solid answer. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Because like the parrot could, could, like the parrot had to pretend it couldn't talk. Right. But the monkey was like smart enough to, to like get human so i think the monkey and the parrot both understood english but only the parrot had the vocal capability to speak it because it's like a parrot yeah but like but he had to pretend but like he had to pretend that he could only do like parrot talk yeah. parrot talk but like he could legit speak so let me let me see so jafar is a wizard uh-huh. maybe he like did some like you know transfiguration some wizarding to enable his annoying parrot to actually be able to have conversations with him because it was his only friend and and the monkey is like a kleptomaniac right because yeah, he's like, like he's the yeah. reason why that they, the, they get stuck in the cave right yeah. right yeah um so like what else about the movie did you did you did stuck out to you i one thing i noticed as mm-hmm. we were watching it and you're like Oh, that's where that comes from. Oh, yeah. So um, another key thing was that I learned that there are a number of, like, cultural things that, that like, even I say mm-hmm. that I really didn't put a lot of thought into where they came from. I just mm-hmm. had picked them up throughout the years. One of them was Doubting Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Like, I say that. Like, I know so many people yeah. that say that. Someone in the movie was like, don't be a Doubting Mustafa. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And like the whole new world, like I knew that song. Right. But I didn't know it came from Aladdin. Oh, really? You didn't no. know it came from no, Aladdin? No, I didn't know it came huh. from Aladdin. But like I knew it. Mm-hmm. Like I knew words to the song, mm-hmm. but I'd never seen the movie. That's the one song where I really broke and couldn't hold it anymore and had to sing along. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but it's happening. Right. And you're like, why do I know this song? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I have to say, like, obviously it's a 90 minute Disney movie mm-hmm. and it's like uh, Aladdin uh, is kind of a douchebag because mm. he like and I'll tell you why I'll, I'll qualify that um, because he doesn't seem to understand like telling the truth is like a good thing. Yeah, well, I would say, yeah, the, he, he kind of knows right from wrong and he knows sure. you should tell the truth, but he's kind of like insecure. And so that's why he's lying. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think it's like he's like a douche because he's like he wants and, to actively make bad decisions. I think it's all it's like most bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It's like when most people are assholes, like when we eventually get trolled because of this, because like no one cares. Right. Uh, it's, be, it's because of insecurity. Right. So. I, I just felt that um, certain things. um would have would have uh i don't know you know maybe i would i would have made him a better oh yeah so the one thing that i was like huh so he's in love with jasmine mm-hmm. right and jasmine mm-hmm. is in love with him and is just devastated wrecked because uh the jafar that's yeah. the magician um has him beheaded right? right we know that's not really what happened but that's the lie that he tells to jasmine mm-hmm. sorry we thought he kidnapped you we had him beheaded so then 
his wish, mm-hmm. because he's in love with Jasmine, mm-hmm. is to become a prince. Because she can only marry a prince. Right, because that's the law, even though her dad is the... Anyways, don't yeah. think too deeply into yeah, it because he it could just hard. change the law. Right. Um, so anyways, he says, well... I want to become a prince. Mm-hmm. And so the genie's like, Alakazam, done. You're a prince. Here's like a thousand soldiers and fucking, I'll turn your monkey into an elephant. And you like, yeah. just crazy, right? And mm-hmm. he's got a flying carpet and he mm-hmm. shows up and Jasmine doesn't recognize him. Yeah. Because he's wearing a hat. Because he's wearing a hat. Yeah. Right. And then he's like, oh, I can't take my head off because she'll recognize me. And I'm mm-hmm. like... I was like, you know, I'm fairly certain that if Rachel <laughs> went and like put on like a very elaborate dress, yeah. but then like also put a hat on, <laughs> like I'd probably still recognize you. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, is that you, Rachel? And you'd be like, no, 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 I'm I'm Rochelle, the princess. And I'd be like, I don't know. But I guess you're probably like, how would you have that elaborate dress if you weren't a princess? Like. <laughs> That was just like, are you expecting me to understand that, like, or to believe that they don't, like, she doesn't recognize him? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, no, that actually makes a lot of sense. Does it? Yeah. How? Because, like, she's a princess Mm -hmm. and she was with him for like 45 minutes. True. So, so like, why the fuck would she recognize him? Yeah. It's not like they took a selfie together. Right. They've Mm -hmm. been, they, they hung out together for 45 minutes and also it was a very frantic 45 minutes wherein they only ever got to sit next to each other for just a few moments Mm -hmm. before the guards came and took him away. Right. So she didn't know who he was. She just like, there was this idea. Mm -hmm. Right. And then like when, when they, they do the prince princess thing, like they still don't spend a lot of time together. Right. And I was just like, okay, I don't know what lesson's trying to be taught here, but mm-hmm. maybe I should just tr- stop trying to take one away <laughs> and just realize that it's like kind of a silly kids movie mm-hmm. and that it really doesn't hold up to like deep scrutiny because Mm-mm. it's like not really meant to be. No. However, again, I have to give credit to Disney because like Jafar was just like a bad, like he was just evil as fuck. Yeah, he right? was like super evil. And and he was, like, power mad, mm-hmm. right? And, again, I don't know what his motivations were. He just wanted to, like, be in charge of everything. Yeah, he wanted to be the most powerful being in the universe. Right. He was just like, I want to be the the biggest. And he was just, like, you know, I like, turned into a giant serpent mm-hmm. and, like, had the genie, like, tear the, the, the tent, like, the castle or whatever mm-hmm. you call it. Yeah. Tear it up and put it on, like, this big pedestal and just, like, yeah. he was just majorly insecure. Mm-hmm. But, like, to what end I really, like, I would like to explore more into Jafar. Yeah. And how, like, he became so power mad and, like, what his origins are like. Mm. Because, like, he was, like, legit didn't give a shit evil. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I like that. But I want to explore more. I'd like to know more. Um, well, they made some sequels, straight to DVD sequels. Probably Maybe, not good. No, yeah, probably I not. Mean, I mean, look, I'll Maybe tell you Maybe Jafar's like in them, probably not. So, he got turned into a genie and then right. kicked kicked around. So. So, so the story ends that the genie um, gets set free. Jafar mm-hmm. ends up locked up in a bottle. And again, if you haven't seen this in 20 years, yeah. like... You don't deserve spoiler Yeah, alerts. basically Aladdin tricks Jafar into wishing that he was a genie, and then the side effect of that is, is that he gets locked in a lamp. Oh, yeah, and then uh, Aladdin, um, his last wish is to set the genie free, and the genie's like, cool, peace him out, and then he 
goes off to be the guy at the beginning of the movie um, or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So. Um, all right. My my uh, my opinion of this movie. Yeah. Um, surprisingly enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the singing. So the singing was kind of like, you know, obviously it's not something I enjoy mm-hmm. and it's not something that I would like to sit through again. Right. However, none of, none of the songs, none of the sing songy parts are really long enough to like really great on me. And in fact, like. It almost seems like it, like most of the sing songing, with the exception of like a whole new world, and the genie, like they just they really didn't even need to be there. Yeah, right. I I feel like they were just used to sort of like at the very beginning, just sort of like tell you who Aladdin is, and mm-hmm. he's just like gotta 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 live to gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat. Tell like, y'all about it when I got the time. Right, right. Yeah. I don't I don't know the songs, but like I get a, yeah, yeah. I get a general gist. So like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm I'm a street urchin, I'm a thief, right. but I'm smart and I'm I'm sassy and yeah. you know I'm scrappy. Right. Um, but I didn't really think it was necessary. However, it is what it is, right? It's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I have watched other Disney movies with much m- more longer singing mm-hmm. that I wanted to like. I just wanted to like end it yeah. all. I was just like, nah, this is not. I can't do it. But Aladdin wasn't bad. Right. And honestly, the animation and like. Robin Williams, like yeah, I was like, gonna ask you. You haven't brought up Robin Williams much. Yeah, what, well, any thoughts or feelings about that? So, like, Robin Williams is Robin Williams, right? right yeah. Like, like he's the only guy you could ever just be like, we don't care. Like, here, break all the fourth walls. Like, we don't, we don't mm-hmm. care. Like, your humor, like the fact that they, they like he did a Jack Nicholson impression. Yeah, and like they animated him looking like Jack Nicholson leads me to believe that they were just like. All right, we're not even going to get started on this part of the animation. Mm-hmm. We're just going to let you record. Here's a vague script. Just go. Right. And he did. And then they were like, all right, now let's try to animate this. Right. And I I guess it's probably how you work with someone that was like as frantic as Robin Williams was. Mm-hmm. But like, obviously, he's also sort of included so that the adults, the right. parents can laugh too. Right. And I think that they did a really good job because mm-hmm. Robin Williams is very distinct. Mm-hmm. He has a very interesting humor about him, and he's just kind of like free flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think for that alone, it was kind of worth watching the movie. Right? Um, you know, Robin Williams. Like, what else can you say? Like, nobody's like Robin Williams. Right. So. I'll tell you my favorite thing, and then you tell me your favorite thing. Mm-hmm. So my favorite thing about rewatching this with you was a little selfish because I realized I hadn't seen it in so long that even though I remembered all of it, there were things that I understood now that I didn't understand then. Like, uh, for example, Jafar's title, like it, like words or phrases. Yeah, vizier. vizier. Yeah. Jafar's title was Vizier. And I was like, I don't think I knew what a Vizier was when I was a kid. Like, I didn't know what that word meant. And then, like, other... You know, you said that Robin Williams was there for the adults, right? So looking back on it, there were certain jokes that like now I get, mm-hmm. but I didn't get at the time because they were referencing something I didn't know anything right. about, right? Um, like the Jack Nicholson thing. Like probably I would have gotten that when I was a kid, but like now I think I like, I'm like, oh, that's his Jack Nicholson, you know? Um, so that's what I enjoyed was like catching the things that I didn't get when I was a kid. So I mean, because I probably haven't seen that movie. It's like sat down and just watched Aladdin since I was like... 12, 13 years yeah. old. 
So well, I I would say that my favorite thing about the movie was, um, it was kind of ballsy. Yeah, right? like it like. It, it was like watching it. I was like, "This, I could see how this could be like a little scary for for a know, little kid, for a little yeah. kid, right?" Because yeah. it was just like, I don't know if maybe they just didn't fuck around as much back in the '90s and the '80s. Well, I'll but tell like, you what: some of the Pixar movies, which I don't think you've probably seen many of, uh-uh. um, some of the Pixar movies can be kind of scary and have like pretty deep, heavy stuff, like the death of a parent or like really scary magic and things like that. So I think Disney. Has probably always, at least since the 90s, I don't, well, I mean, even maybe like going back in some of the older ones have has dealt with pretty dark themes um, and in like a fun, lighthearted way because it's like, on the one hand, maybe that's the responsible thing to do because it's like, it can't just all be f- be all fun all the time right Right. like even little kids can experience tragedy or they can they can understand loss right Mm -hmm. so it's like maybe these types of cartoons are a good way for kids to like be able to process that in a safe way and it's clear that they're they're like kind of giving a message right like Mm -hmm. they're saying like you know here's this this guy aladdin who's kind of like lived off of his his skills Mm -hmm. and he's embarrassed of who he is but like here's this this princess right who doesn't care and mm-hmm. never cared and more troubles sort of arose from his inability to just be, be accepting of who he is right and if he you know and then once he finally realized like i just be myself because that's that's who's best right you know he was able to overcome obstacles is that is that a useful or realistic lesson i mean i think it is because yeah. i think you know, I think it's a useful, useful lesson. I don't know if, if kids grab hold of that being like a lesson of the movie, but I think when you look back on your life and you look at of decisions you've made and you, you, you know, like, and I say you, it's like, you know, you, yeah, whoever, the royal you, know, me. you yeah. yeah, it's like, and you look at decisions you've made like out of fear or lies you've told yourself that you knew were lies at the time. And it's like kind of lying to yourself about who you are mm-hmm. or making decisions out of fear. It ultimately hurts you, but right. it kind of also starts to permeate and hurt other people around you. And that's what happened in the story, right? Like Aladdin is like trying to lie and isn't being acceptive and loving of who he is. And then he ends up hurting not only himself, but he hurts Jasmine. He hurts uh, Abu. He hurts the genie. So his lies and his his um, not being accepting and kind to himself hurts everybody around him who cares about him too. And so I think that that's like a pretty common theme in a lot of movies and books right. and TV shows. And it's kind of like a universal human lesson that we all yeah. kind of have to learn eventually. Yeah. So Well, um, and now, uh, like how I know it's kind of worked on me, mm-hmm. um, now I want to like explore deeper. Like why was Aladdin the only one able to open that cave? Like yeah. what's what's going on with his destiny? And... But I'm not going to. Yeah, no, that's 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 for. Uh, see, I don't. I wouldn't expect you to write any Aladdin fan fiction. No, no, definitely, I'm not going to be writing any Aladdin fan fiction. However, like you know, now, and you would ask me like, all right, it's over. Like you know, are you never going to watch it again? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, like I, I would actually like if it was on. Mm-hmm. You know, you're let's say in a purely hypothetical. I'm making this up in my head, like. You know, you're at a family member's house and Aladdin's playing for the kids on Christmas or whatever. Like, I'd sit down and watch it. Yeah. Because it wasn't it wasn't terrible. It was, you know, I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's it's given me 
it's given me warrant to be a little bit more open to, you know, like, quote unquote, kids movies, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I've always kind of like, you know, I'm I'm the diehard guy, right? If there's not like guns and explosions in it, then I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Right. (laughs) But like, also, like, it's the animation was really good for the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like, something that culturally people like. So, you know, maybe be a little bit more open to it. And, and I think now is the only real time in my life. I really had the capacity to do that. Mm. You know, like I've always been like, so like hardcore Mm -hmm. with like my nerd stuff that like, I don't care about your stupid shit. Like, I don't like it. But like, you know, now I'm in my thirties and I'm, I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. getting on an age, like, be open to it, right? Because you never know. You yeah. might like it. So try it out. Yeah. And I would say I'd, I'd give it like a B, you yeah. know? Yeah. Okay. You know, you it wasn't, it's not something that I'm necessarily going to add to regular rotation. Right, right, right. But it's not something I'm going to be like, no, I can't. Cool. That's stupid and I don't like it. Well, I think just because of your strong aversion to the music, I think I'm going to scratch off the list of things to share with you, Ham- <laughs> Hamilton, because that's just... I mean, look, I'm going to probably go ahead and go forth with the Phantom of the Opera. But the Hamilton, I feel like, is just a level of annoying that you're not going to be able to deal with. I'm going to leave the but I'm going to leave Phantom of the Opera on there uh and I'm going to leave Rocky Horror Picture Show on there, but not Rocky Horror Picture Show. We're going to go see Rocky Horror Show in October. Look, you you went and you saw the room with me. Right. But I loved it. Right. Yeah. And so. If you're like, hey, I want to go see this thing, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, yeah, okay, let's go see it. So. Anyways, that's like the roundup of our experience right. from the week. So let's let's take a look at our list sure. and see what we want to sort of look into, talk about, read, experience over the course of the week. So I'm just going to scratch out the pro wrestling. Here yeah, you can scratch and... out Lion King and Aladdin. Okay. Yeah. So I guess I guess you're next on the list. Well, what if I pick a thing from yours? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um. So let's see here. Um. All right, so we've done kind of like lighthearted, campy stuff. I mm-hmm. would even call that extreme wrestling match, yeah. you know, kind of lighthearted and campy. So let's do um, something a bit grittier. Yeah. Um, let's go full on Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so next uh, next podcast, uh, again, we, we have no actual schedule. We, right. You know, this is going to kind of roll out when it rolls out. So... You have suggested Apocalypse Now yeah. as a masterpiece of uh, of Vietnam era. Sure, movie. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Apocalypse. You're gonna expose me to Apocalypse right. Now. So I think we've already kind of gotten started on this, but mm-hmm. um, I think we maybe need to take a deep dive into the Star Trek. Okay, sounds good. We, we watched an episode today before we recorded this podcast, and we mentioned it at the beginning, and I was kind of like, "Don't turn it off." So. <laughs> I, I, it's something I'm eager mm-hmm. to know a little bit more about, whether that's like, you know, I start with you and, sure. and watch with you or I, you know, kind of watch on my own a little bit. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll kind of curate a list mm-hmm. of, um, maybe, maybe like two or three, maybe like two episodes of the next generation that I think are like must, must watches. Mm-hmm. Right. And then maybe also an episode of, um, Deep Space Nine. Yeah. which I also really like. And then maybe like one episode of the original series. Okay. Um, and if you have time, 
Mm-hmm. You can watch them on your own, or watch. We can watch them together after yeah. dinner, or, or something. Well, like I'm gonna that. I'm gonna um, sit and watch Apocalypse Now with you. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. uh, I I want I I love Apocalypse Now. I think right. it's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, and, I can't wait to see it. Um, yeah, can't believe so, I've never seen it. No, it's 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 a uh, very heavy mm-hmm. movie. Okay, <laughs> so it's kind of like eating. Like a really thick bowl of ramen. Okay. With like lots of salty soy sauce on it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know if that's even appropriate, but like, you know, it's just like big chunks of pork. There's a yeah. lot to chew on. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I love no to fluff. watch it. There's n- very little fluff. Yeah. Who's the director? Is a Scorsese? Coppola. Coppola? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love Coppola. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So next podcast. Um, by then, we should be up on iTunes. I'm going to make every effort to get that done this week. We are going to be talking about Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. and Star Trek, two very different worlds. Super different, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, but, but, but equal in the yeah. middle. So, cool. uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, do you have anything you'd like to say before we um, close up the shop here? Not really. Just hopefully if you... You know, if you're if you came to this through iTunes, you know, go ahead and rate us, write a review that helps us, you know, reach more people. Um, If you like what we're talking about and you want to share it with your friends. Awesome. Um, Yeah. So don't be afraid to to share this around and um, check out the other podcasts that we have, whether it's Nerdwerves or 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. If you're finding us for the first time, you can follow us on Twitter at Hookie Podcast. Uh, You can follow Nate on Twitter um, at Utility Muffin Labs or is it 25 VTM? VTM 25. Anyways, you you can find all that information at utilitymuffinlabs.com. And Mm -hmm. we're going to have a little recap at the end of the episode. Oh, that's right. A little commercial. Right, because Rachel was kind enough to lend her voice Mm. to a self-promoting commercial bit. Totally. Anyways. Uh, thank you guys. And also I think it's really important to state if you guys like what we're doing and mm-hmm. you want to like lend suggestions to us of like how we could improve the podcast or like things you'd like us to talk about if we're interested and we haven't mentioned it, like definitely do that. Yeah. We're, and yeah. if you, if you heard anything in the podcast that you want to comment on, um, please hit up our Twitter. Uh, you know, if there's something we said that was a mistake or if you have some insight that we didn't share that you think is really important for other listeners to hear about, feel free to, you know, leave us a comment on our Twitter page. Yep. yep. Cool. Alrighty guys. Well, until next time, I'm Nathan. And I am Rachel. And we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. This is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast. On Instagram and Facebook, at our Utility Muffin Labs name. And support us on YouTube, at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Support Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.